People, it's Friday, which means it's time for another roundtable extravaganza. Sorry for the minute or two delay there. The internet goblins were eating the wires, apparently. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. And joining me today is the CEO of PragerU, Marissa Streit, the president of Ralston College, Dr. Stephen Blackwood, and the best-selling author of The End of Gender, Dr. Dr. Deborah. So, Marissa, Stephen, Deborah, welcome to the Rubin Report. Hi, Dave. All right, good to have you guys. Uh, Marissa, you are long overdue for being on this show. Deborah, you are an old Ruben Report veteran, and Stephen, glad to have you on for the first time. Uh, we're gonna be talking all about uh, the, the fight for education, the fight for our kids, the fight for sanity. Uh, we're gonna talk about what's going on at the universities, uh, in the elementary schools and junior highs. We're gonna talk about how the administration is dealing with this, the battle in the, in the culture war with Disney and gender and everything else. Uh, and uh, I wanted to get away sort of from the straight up politics and economy and uh, no, we are not talking about January 6th today. That will be the one time on this show, I think that I mentioned January 6th. Uh, real quick before we get to any of that, let me talk to you guys about Policy Genius and then we'll get going. Let's face it guys, shopping for life insurance is no fun at all all that hunting down quotes and keeping track of who's who, it can be a real pain in the butt. But if you've got people who depend on you, children, parents, or even business partners, it's incredibly important. Policy Genius is your one-stop shop to find the insurance you need at the right price. And you can head over to policygenius.com slash Ruben to get started. In minutes, you'll be able to compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Policy Genius doesn't add extra fees, doesn't sell your info to third parties, and they have thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. They have options that offer coverage in as little as a week and let you avoid unnecessary medical exams. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and has placed over 150 billion in coverage. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance company. So get started today. Head over to policygenius.com slash Ruben to get your free life insurance quote and see how much you could save. And now back to me. All right, here we go. So everyone watching this show knows that we have a problem with wokeness. Everyone knows that it has infected virtually all of our cultural institutions, our political institutions. Uh, but today we're focusing on our educational institutions. And I wanna focus on what's going on over in my, what once was my hometown state of New York. Uh, we've got some info here from the Daily Wire. New York Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul announced on Wednesday that all 64 SUNY college campuses are being directed to update their policies to ensure that a person's chosen gender identity and pronouns are used. The policy will include chosen names to appear on diplomas and campus profiles, along with the ability to select X as a gender option by the fall 2023 semester. Every person, regardless of their gender identity or the name they chose to go by, deserves to have identity documentation that reflects who they are, Hochul said in a statement. The statement specifically noted that the student's chosen name and pronouns will appear in campus portals, class rosters, and student email addresses 
among other changes. Uh, Stephen, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, I went to a SUNY school. I went to SUNY Binghamton. It was one of, if not the best SUNY school at the time. I don't know sort of where it ranks in that right now. Uh, but this is pretty consistent with everything coming out of New York, everything going across our quote unquote higher education uh, right now. What do you make of this? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to see that there is obviously a certain kind of uh, contemporary prejudice and ideology behind this kind of thing. Uh, but I do think it's pretty important also to drill down to the level of principle here. Uh, when there's a lot of coercion and bullying into saying certain things, I think in this case we have to acknowledge, Dave, that this is merely individuals stating their own preferences. Now, we may think that those individuals may be in influenced by a, a very anti-scientific ideology that is destabilizing one of the most fundamental categories of, of, of human uh, beings, namely right. their, their sex. But we should also remember that this is the State University of New York. It is, uh, it is there for the people of New York. The governor is the elected head of the state. If the people don't like what she is doing with their university, they can they can change it. So I think that there is a sense in which you could even defend this as in the tradition of American individual liberty, however misguided we may think what these people are doing is, uh, no one's being forced into anything. You did not let me down with a thoughtful answer as sort of silly as we all may think it is. Yes, choice is there. I kind of don't like it coming from the state. However, uh, Deborah, I'm gonna throw to you on this one because they're also allowing you to select X as a gender option. Now it's one thing if you're saying, okay, I'm gonna call myself a different name or I'm gonna call myself another gender. X is not a gender, is it? Um, am I missing something, Deborah? This is your department. No, I mean, non-binary is not backed by science whatsoever. And so X would be, I guess, for some people who wanna be special, that's what they would have designated on their driver's license or passport or birth certificate now. So I agree in, with Stephen in terms of individual liberty. And I think people should be free to identify however they want, even if it is a scientific, uh, anti-scientific concept. And I go into more of the science behind why there are two sexes and only two genders in the end of gender. But you know, when it's being recognized by law, this I find very worrisome because why are ideas that are anti-scientific being put into policy? We see this in medical policy, scientific organizations have capitulated to it. And I think it's just gonna make it more difficult for these ideas to be removed from society when they are being given legal sanctions. Marissa, I don't wanna stab you right to start, but you live in California, which is the, uh, let's say the West Coast, New York. So this is the type of stuff that if it is not in the Cali higher ed system will obviously be there. What do you make of this? Um, you know, I think it's interesting when you talk about freedom because if it was a private school, it would be a different issue, right? You pay a certain amount of money, you don't like it, take your kids out, put them in a public school and, you know, hopefully live with that. But I think when public schools are doing things like this, the, the option of freedom is no longer really there. If you are a parent who can't afford uh, a private school and you can't homeschool your child, how are you really free to choose? Uh, not to mention, I, I understand your point that one could then elect different officials. But if you think about the spam of a life, uh, a child's life, 
the difference between kindergarten and fourth grade. Those mm-hmm. are four years of having no option of making any sort of change. And this kind of idea that let's, you know, vote with our feet or or pull our kids out is not that simple for, for many parents. It's the reality that you do have to go to work and put your kids in a school and can't wait four years without them brainwashing your child and essentially eroding the way they're thinking. Stephen, what do you make of that point that we're all sort of agreed on the on the civil liberty side and the individual rights side and the choice side, but that there's just this sort of slow descent to hell with this thing that will just keep bringing in ideas that are wrong and then you know, we can we can defend per someone's individual choice, but that the system itself, and as Marissa's saying, okay, you can elect other people, but people have four-year or six-year terms, and you know, your kid, once they've sort of been infected by this at, at five, it's sort of uh, out of the barn by nine, 10 years old. Well, listen, you, you won't find a more strident defender of, uh, freedom of, of the freedom of the mind or uh, opponent of, uh, let's say, propaganda and ideology than than I am, but I do want to say that this is a very, this is this is different, right? I mean, these are individual stating preferences. No one's being forced into doing anything here, and it is not K to 12 public school. This is the the state university system of New York. No one is forced to go there, and when they do, they're not forced to say that they're any other gender than they want to say. So I do think we have to, you know, it's important mm-hmm. if we're going to criticize our our. Uh, opponents for being reductive and ideological, then it's important that we ourselves show nuance in the in this analysis. And in this case, uh, however idiotic I may think, uh, virtue signaling uh, in the worst kind of way this uh, the governor may be being in this instance, uh, it is categorically different than what we see at the elementary school level when you're actually forcing children to learn things that are uh, 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 dangerous and wrong. So let's go to another version of this that that takes out the choice part, because we're gonna go up to where you are right now, Deborah, in Toronto. Uh, I've got some more info from the Daily Wire here. A George Brown College in Toronto presented those attending the Zoom call, this was a Zoom call amongst students and faculty, to read a lengthy statement to check a box saying they agreed that they had benefited from white privilege and would commit to decolonization the college fix reported. The students and faculty who click the I agree box are acknowledging that they benefit from the colonization and genocide of the indigenous peoples of this land and are agreeing it is imperative we constantly engage in acts of awareness and decolonization, the outlet noted. Deborah, not only are you in Toronto, but this directly sort of hits this, this individual choice versus being sort of coerced or forced into doing something. Yeah, well, in Canada, I mean, we see land acknowledgements and this talk about decolonization. This is like the pet racial project up here. And I do think it's important for us to acknowledge history, but I question what do these types of initiatives actually do to help Indigenous people or the Indigenous community? And you do see land acknowledgements. They're like pronouns. They show up in people's email signatures. They are all over university websites. People will say them at the start of meetings and conferences. And now we see them at the start of Zoom calls. And so going back to Stephen's earlier point about um, you know, the gender X designation, people want to identify as non-binary or say use they, them pronouns. What happens then if someone says, hey, I don't want to go along with that, or hey, I don't want to check the, the box in order to be a part of this meeting? Does that mean that they're not allowed to have an education? And that's where my worry is, because I think higher education especially should be focused on 
encouraging people who want to be there to learn, not necessarily be indoctrinated by a particular ideology. Yeah, Marissa, what do you think about that? That there's sort of a, a social pressure that goes along with this. So even in this case at, at George Brown, it sounds like they had to do it. Uh, but regardless of whether they're fully forcing them to do it or not fully forcing them, that there's a general social pressure at all of these institutions to say you are either trans or non-binary or pansexual, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's beyond a social pressure. First of all, at that age, social is everything, right? I mean, kids are so focused on their social life. But on top of the social pressure, I think that kids are afraid. They're afraid of faculty. Uh, they're afraid of what's going to go uh, in their grades. And frankly, they have learned through the education system throughout the years that winning victim bingo gives them a stronger voice. And so many kids uh, and, uh, and, and college students realize that if they are just a white male Christian, they don't have as much of a voice as somebody who wins victim bingo and has all the other uh, points to them. And so what we are seeing is more and more kids are actually trying to identify as one of those categories so they also can feel heard and so they can then be affirmed as well. And that is what scares me is that people are in America are starting to try to put themselves into victim boxes instead of successful boxes. Steven, since you've never been on the show, can you uh, just take a moment and tell people a little bit about what you're doing at Ralston College? And I know Jordan Peterson is involved, so my audience will definitely want to hear a bit more and how you're, how you're combating some of this stuff. Well, it's pretty simple, really. We think that the answer to the problems in higher education is just to found superior alternatives and not to complain about what's wrong. Uh, as important as criticism is, uh, you've got to build build anew. And Ralston College endeavors to do that. It's both a reinvention and a revival of the university. We hope uh, uh, at its best. And uh, so it's pretty. It's a pretty simple analysis. If you don't like what's going on. Try and do it more better, beautiful. Do it better, more beautifully, more effectively. And what we see is that there is an enormous appetite in young people for honest, uh, serious uh, thinking. And so we recently launched our uh, first uh, degree program. It's a master's in humanities. It's just a one-year degree. There's no tuition this year. It's entirely sponsored uh, by uh, philanthropy. And we've had a thousand applicants. And it's just it's. It, I, you know, on the one hand, it's it's hugely encouraging for us, and it's 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 such a, a rewarding and beautiful thing to see this interest. On the other hand, you've got to say, holy smokes, what a mess it is out there that a new college with no track record, merely holding out an honest shingle saying, here we are going to give you the best that has been thought and read and create a space for you to think uh, uh, with radical freedom uh, in the context of friendship and uh, the the pursuit of truth. And that uh, sends a huge message uh, across the country. I always tell people to build new things and the fact that you're doing it with Jordan Peterson, I think, uh, I think you're gonna have far more than a thousand applicants uh, by the end of today. Uh, let's jump on to the next topic though, because you know we talked obviously about this stuff at the university level, but it's happening in elementary schools as well. Marissa, we're gonna go to your uh, hometown here. Uh, we got more from the Daily Wire. Parents in Beverly Hills showed up to their local school board meeting this month to express their shock and disappointment with what they said was the fifth grade sex education curriculum. In 2016, California Health Youth Act added to the existing state sex ed standards and California began requiring 
any K through 12 sex ed to include instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation. Because sex ed is taught in fifth grade, 10 year olds are exposed to those topics unless their parents opt them out. Sex ed in grades K through six must teach about gender, gender expression, gender identity, and the harm of negative gender stereotypes, as well as affirmatively recognize different sexual orientations and be inclusive of same-sex relationships and discussions and examples, according to an American Civil Liberties Union handout about the 2016 law. Another dad of two daughters attending school in the district said the fifth grade sex ed classes included a lot of disturbing things, including the idea that gender is something that many people think they understand, but they don't. Uh, Deborah, you probably understand this more than anybody else. This is happening in California state schools. Let's be clear, this is state schools. Uh, you mentioned there are only two genders. You wrote a book about it. What is going on here and what should these parents do? It's so crazy because these activists, they are very smart, they're very sneaky, and they're always doing this behind parents' backs. And I think it's very telling, especially what that one father said about how they talk about how gender is something that people think they understand, but they don't, because that's a way for activists to really get in there and cause people who, I mean, it's not that difficult to understand gender. It's really not this big complex thing that activists have made it out to be, but it causes people to doubt themselves. And so when they think these ideas I'm hearing sound pretty crazy, but mm -hmm. what do I know? I'm, I guess I, I guess I don't know. I guess I should defer to the experts. And so then people are being brainwashed into thinking that what these so-called experts have to say is actually legitimate. And it's, if your audience has not seen what is a woman, I highly recommend they mm -hmm. go and watch it. I was very fortunate to get to be interviewed by Matt Walsh for the documentary. And to see these so-called experts fall apart over the most simple questions is, I mean, it, that's that says everything. So I would say advice to parents is really just trust your gut. Um, if it doesn't feel right to you, and especially if they're doing behind your back, you have every reason to be upset by it. And don't let them call, don't let them call you hateful, make you feel badly about it. Deborah, you'll love this. A couple of years ago, I was in New York and I was having dinner with an old friend who's like pretty active in the trans community. He, he's not trans, but he's pretty active in the community. We're, we're debating this stuff and all I, I kept saying, you know, I want anyone to live however they wanna live, but that you can't deny biolo uh, biological reality. And he said, Dave, you don't understand quantum physics. And <laughs> I said, I'm sure I don't, but I'm pretty sure you don't either. And that's the level of sort of the craziness. Like it's just sort of one crazy on top of another. Marissa, okay, we're talking about Beverly Hills here. You live close enough to Beverly Hills. Uh, I know you have young kids. You have had to move your kids from school to school. Almost everyone we knew in LA was doing the same thing because of all this nonsense. What do you do? You know, I'm calling this the great awakening because I had taught every grade, kindergarten through seventh here in California. I used to run a school myself. I have a master's in education. Like you mentioned, I have three children. And for years, I've been talking about the problems here. And much of it was an answer that I would, got from, would get from other parents is that I'm exaggerating, I'm overreacting, such a, sex education is so important. We need to make sure that kids understand their bodies and know how to protect them. But sadly, sex education has evolved into something totally woke as well as every other department in, uh, in education these days. And so what do we do? I mean, parents need to wake up. We're already seeing that they're waking up. 
I think some parents have the option of pulling their kids out, as I had when I heard that my kindergarten class is now going to have a transgender bathroom, as well as uh, more kindergartners, apparently, boys that identify as girls, um, which is statistically impossible. You can talk to Deborah, uh, Dr. Deborah So a little bit more about mm -hmm. that. Uh, but here in Los Angeles, I'll give you another example. My friend sends her kid to a local high school where half of the graduating class were boys and half of the boys in the graduating class now identify as women and wore dresses to the prom. I mean, how is that even possible? But you're having this culture that is pushing this idea that you're confused about your gender and these poor children I mean, yes, we need to give them choice, but when you're constantly pushing this culture on them, you're pushing a choice that is not in their best interest. And so parents need to wake up. This is not a political issue. This is an issue that has to do with our society and our children, and it's really existential. And I think there are so many, many ways to get involved, whether it's send your kids to a better college. Uh, you don't need to send them to Harvard anymore. You know, send them to colleges that actually believe in your values, but also inoculate your kids from an early age. Talk to them. Uh, PragerU.com has now PragerU Kids. You can have them watch all our shows that help you know, give them a little bit of a brain boost. And really, as Deborah mentioned, you need to know what your kids are learning. You can't just send them to school and pick them up, give them a shower and put them to bed. We we all need to take more responsibility over what is going into our kids' brains, not just what's going into their tummies. Let me just jump back to Deborah real quick before I throw to Stephen. On, on, on Marissa's point about, you know, this sort of social contagion part that, that so many kids, okay, this high school in LA, half the boys are now wearing dresses to the, to the prom and all of this kind of stuff. Um, do, do you have any numbers on sort of, or, or research on how many of them actually just, it's, it's a phase that's a two month operation or the second they get out of the school or maybe they uh, move to another state or something that this stuff just washes away? We don't have those data yet, and I think it would be really impossible, next to impossible, to to uh, collect them objectively in today's political climate because that would be seen as inherently transphobic. Mm -hmm. Although I just recently wrote about a poll that came out showing that 5% of Americans age 18 to 29 identify as transgender or non-binary. So 5% of people age 18 to 29, that's a lot. And within that, it breaks down to 3% who are non-binary, 2% who are transgender male or transgender female. So as, as Marissa said, I think a lot of this comes down to intersectional bingo in that people are, if especially if you are white and a man, how are you going to escape being called an oppressor? The best way to do that is to pick, pick a new gender identity. And in, if you're non-binary, say, or if you wear a dress, well, you don't really have to do anything other than wear that dress. And I mean, as I sit here, I could tell you that I'm non-binary and you'd have to call me they, them. It's as simple as that. <laughs> All right, well, let me throw it to the oppressor on this panel then. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, as a white man, uh, you know, your, your expertise obviously is higher ed as we've been talking about. This is, this is elementary school level. But what would you do if you were, say, a principal at one of these schools uh, or an administrator, superintendent, et cetera? What, what would you do if they were pushing all of this stuff at your school? Oh, I, uh, on this, I have a pretty clear view. I think that that uh, there comes a point that it is simply immoral, uh, is it immoral to uh, force children to engage with uh, this ideology. 
Uh, and uh, so I, I, you know, it's always easy to say what you would do if you were in some situation. And of course, the devil's always in the details. They want to see very clearly what was being proposed. But fundamentally, this is the kind of thing I can see uh, absolutely going to uh, going to the stakeover and uh, resigning my position. Uh, you know, but I think there's another point here too, Dave, which is that it's not just the ways in which, and we very rightly point out uh, how how toxic, uh, destabilizing uh, these the, uh, and wrongheaded, unscientific these ideas are. It's also, I mean, have you checked into what students actually learn by the time they get through high school? I mean, I mean, the notion that we have kind of you know weeks and months of a curriculum to devote to uh, this kind of pseudo uh, scientific ideological claptrap when you know students are not learning how to read and write to a high level, or the or the the three are the three are the reading, writing, arithmetic. It's absolutely astounding when you look at what students are not learning by the time they get to the end of the 12th grade, that the notion that somehow our schools should be filled with this kind of uh, social propaganda rather than focusing fundamentally on what they absolutely exist to do, which is to teach young people what they need to know to live fully human lives. And that to me is the real scandal here is the betrayal of that responsibility. Yeah, that to me is the is the biggest part of this. Forget what you think, what any of us think about gender identity or any of this. It's all of the stuff that they're then not teaching them because they're spending all the time on this. Uh, you know, here in Florida, we've got this guy, Ron DeSantis, who's pretty good about fighting all this stuff back. And you know, the Biden administration is now threatening states that don't implement this woke ideology and the gender stuff in schools. They are threatening with holding back school lunches for kids that need it. Believe it or not, yes, it's true, we've got some video. We're prepared for what Biden throws our way. Uh, and you know, yes, part of it's the inflation and the gas. Part of it are intentionally destructive policies like trying to deny school lunch programs for states that don't do transgender ideology. And the schools, I mean, give me a break. Totally off his rocker to be doing that. We're fighting on that, don't worry. Can you imagine, regardless of how you feel about the gender ideology stuff, that you would punish kids? I mean, that's what they're doing. You would punish kids through lunch, letting them be hungry because they're not going woke with all of this stuff. Uh, Marissa, you're in Cali again. I keep saying it. I don't mean it. Yeah. I don't yeah, mean I know it offensively. Keep reminding, keep reminding me. You know what <laughs> this makes me think about? I used to say the teacher unions hate their opponents more than they love children. And that's what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, that's why they keep disappointing the, the children and the families. And, yeah, I see it in California. But, by the way, the problem we have is this is not just in California. It's really all over the country. And if you ask yourself why, a big part of it is because most teachers go through what I call left-wing seminary. Uh, I have a master's in education. Most people who go into trying to get a master's in education will go through this left-wing ceremony and uh, sem seminary and if they'll move to Florida or Nashville or New York, wherever they go, they'll take those ideas and ideologies with them. And uh, like mentioned, like we mentioned before, I mean, these ideas are immoral and these ideas are not about really educating a child. Most teachers actually are not even taught how to teach math, math and literacy. It's no surprise why close to 50% of Los Angelinos uh, that graduate from high school can't even read or, or write or let alone try to solve any sort of complex math problem. And that it really stems from the fact that we need to educate better educators so that when they move around the United States, they're better equipped at teaching our children. And we need to keep the standards so that people love children more than they love politics.
Wouldn't that be refreshing? Uh, well, going from Ron DeSantis doing it right here in Florida, uh, let's throw to this clip of Joe Biden, and you're not gonna believe who he's blaming for the culture war we're talking about. Today, there are too many politicians trying to score political points, trying to ban books, even math books. I mean, did you ever think, even your younger teachers, did you ever think when you'd be teaching, you'd be worrying about book burnings and banning books? all because it doesn't fit somebody's political agenda. American teachers have dedicated their lives to teaching our children and lifting them up. We gotta stop making the target of the culture wars. That's where this is going. So what he's saying there basically is that any of these uh, states that do anything about critical race theory or the gender stuff, that they're banning books, meaning they're not letting anti-racist baby and the rest of it in the curriculum. Uh, we also don't teach Mein Kampf, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Deborah, I assume you don't have a problem and you're probably a little jealous as a Canadian that some states can do some stuff on this, right? <laughs> well, we're usually about six months behind you guys, so I have that to look forward to. But I really, I really thought this was like the pot calling the kettle black. And I think this is another way that, that this ideology is so insidious because it makes parents who have understandable concerns, it makes them feel like they're the crazy ones. I mean, if you go back to your mm -hmm. earlier example about lunches, I understand why most everyday people don't want to go up against trans activists because they are so powerful. And not only are they influencing all this legal policy and medical and scientific initiatives, but now they're also getting to say who gets to be fed in terms of underprivileged kids. That to me has, what do bathrooms have to do with the well-being of children. I mean, it's totally crazy to me that if if you have schools that say they're not in favor of this ideology, you're going to starve the children. Stephen, I assume you're against starving children. So I certainly am. Uh, I'm also against the federal government being able to hold the purse strings over education. I mm -hmm. think that it's uh, it's far from obvious to me there's any constitutional uh, uh, in the United States, there's any constitutional justification for the Department of Education. In fact, one thing needs to be said about Canada, it, doesn't have, it does not have a federal Department of Education that has led actually to a greater diversity amongst the provinces uh, in what they can do. And here in the United States, I think we would do damn well to return education to the places that it should be, which is uh, fundamentally driven by the parents of the children and the communities uh, that serve those children. And uh, if we had that, then the federal government wouldn't be able to coerce us, uh, coerce, coerce their ideology on people by denying hungry children lunch. Yeah, and perhaps fund students instead of systems, something that uh, Chris Rufo, who I know you guys are all friends with, uh, is really pushing right now. All right, we got one more, and it's the one that really sort of blew this thing up over the last, say, five or six months uh, into a cultural phenomenon. And this, of course, is everything happening over at Disney. So Chris Rufo, who I just mentioned, who's been on the show many times, uh, he got this video. We've shown this on the show, I think, twice already, uh, an internal chat that they were having over at Disney. This is Disney executive producer Latoya Ravenow. Uh, and they were having a whole thing on diversity and inclusion and equity and how they spread messaging within their movies, et cetera, et cetera. Take a look. My little pocket of like, you know, proud family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming, Meredith Roberts and like the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like, my like not at all secret gay agenda and all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like 
let's have these two characters kiss let's in the background this are, like i was just wherever i could just basically adding queerness to like the, if you see anything queer in the show i'm proud of them but like I, I just was like no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me all right, so she's got her not-so-secret gay agenda. Then one of the other executives there was going on and on about her gay kid and her pansexual child and a whole bunch of other things. Now, I don't have a problem with gay people. I'm, I'm actually married to a gay guy, so I'm, I'm usually okay with gay people, um, except when dinner's late. Uh, but this idea that they are telling you what they are doing, to, again, and this is with children, this is with children, and there was a further video that came out after this where Disney CEO Bob Chappick basically begging for forgiveness from these people, that he has not been a good enough ally to all of these people. Uh, Marissa, you mentioned PragerU Kids before. I mean, I'm at the sort of just build new things and let Disney burn point. Are you there already? Well, I'm definitely there. First of all, I'll say that I also have no problem with gay people. I happen to have a very good uh, friend who is married to a gay guy. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, cause I know they'll just love to attack us cause we just say anything, right? Um, but it makes me frankly sad. I grew up with Disney. Uh, and there is no baby better babysitter than the television every once in a while where I want to cook dinner or or take a bath or relax or something. But now I can't trust uh, Disney anymore because I don't know what kind of garbage is going to go into my kids' brains unless I watch every second of it before I allow my, my kids to watch it. And so a couple of years ago, that kind of anxiety as mama bear has led me to really build another enterprise here at PragerU, and that's PragerU Kids, because I know that all of us as parents do want to be able to turn on the television and allow our children to watch something that we can trust and that we know would nourish their brain and not hurt their brains. And so we did launch PragerU Kids and we now make edutainment for every single age, kindergarten all the way through. If you're 104, we have content for you as well. But really the goal here is so that there is something that parents can trust that is gonna be good for them, that is gonna be wholesome. And like what Steven is doing, we can complain or we can also take action and try to provide some services to a very large audience that is interested in an alternative choice so that people can vote, have the option of voting with their feet. There is somewhere else to go. And so if you don't like what Disney is producing, at the very least, you now know that you can download PragerU Kids and have your children watch something that is gonna be good for them and that you can trust. So speaking of doing something, last week I went to the belly of the beast myself. I went to Orlando, home of Disney, with scary Ron DeSantis, and here's what happened. All right, so first off, we have to start with the obvious one. Gay. <laughs> He didn't even flinch. <laughs> Nothing. Steven, the stormtroopers did not burst in. They did not arrest me. I said gay to him. He actually uh, met my husband for the second time right before that, took a picture with us. They've given us baby onesies. Um, it's just endless onslaught of nonsense, huh? Well, I mean, I think we, we need to, I mean, it, it's the other one you put dye in the water so you can see kind of like, you know, where the water stream mm -hmm. is going. I mean, anyone can tell that these ideological uh, coercions are coming from the university. Uh, the university is upstream of absolutely everything else. It's, it's from there that you get the teachers' colleges that Marissa was just talking about. Policy, politics, culture, architecture, 
art and so on. It all starts in what happens in the university. And I think we also need to be pretty frank. I mean, conservatives can spare me the outrage, frankly. You know, William F. Buckley wrote God and Man at Yale in 1951. That's 71 years ago. Alan Bloom closing the American mind, 1985, nearly 40 years ago. I mean, if people who want to call themselves conservatives in the small C sense, like we're looking to preserve the best of what we've inherited, had founded new colleges and universities 30, 40, 50, even 20 years ago, we'd be living in a different country right now. So it's either put up or shut up, in my opinion. I love it, man. That's the opportunity and that's what you're doing. So it's, it's absolutely perfect. Uh, Deborah, I mean, you saw this, of course, years ago at the research level too. So it's just, it's just absolutely everywhere. And, and you changed your life because of it. Right. Uh, I won't be redundant because I'm sure your audience has heard me say this a million times. We did talk about this the first time I was on your show, but I left academia because gender ideology had gotten so insane. And now I'm a journalist. And, you know, I really applaud Marissa and Stephen for what they're doing, because I think it is so important to be fighting back against this. And I think the the fastest way to put parents off of trans rights and gay rights is to force feed it to their children in programming behind their backs. And I think they are totally insane to think that parents are just going to roll over and let activists take over their kids' minds. So I think it's fantastic what Ron DeSantis is, is doing, and he's not he's not backing down. And I think we need more of that. You guys were absolutely fantastic. I thank you, Deborah. We're going to link to your book. Marissa, we are going to link to PragerU Kids. And Stephen, we are going to link to Ralston College. I thank you guys. Have a good weekend. I'm going to finish up without you for a couple minutes, but we'll definitely have you all back. So thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. All right, everybody. That is the week. It is Friday. We're going to be shutting it down here. I hear a rumor that you guys are going to Jurassic Park this weekend. Is that, is that true? Someone told me, you, oh, Phoenix didn't know about it. You're going to, <laughs> I was told you guys are all going. You didn't invite Phoenix? What happened? Oh, you don't want to go to Jurassic Park. Oh, you want to go to Downton Abbey too with me. Is that right? Okay. Phoenix and I are going to Downton Abbey too. Michael and Connor are going to Jurassic Park. I hope you will get off the machines and go do something that makes you happy and eat some good food and listen to some good music and not be crazy about the nonsensical hearings that were happening last night. I did not pay one second of attention to any of it. It's all just drivel and it's trying to keep your attention over here when your attention should be over here. Uh, If you want to play along over the weekend, uh, join me at rubenreport.locals.com. And of course, our full interview with Ron DeSantis is up over there. And in case you forgot, I did add one show to the tour. Do we have the image? We don't have the image. That's all right. He started the weekend early. Look at you. You're not getting Chick-fil-A today. We're having Chick-fil-A after this, which uh, I'm going to have to shut it down for the rest of the day. I eat Chick-fil-A. We do it once a month. And the guys know it's like we have to clear out Dave's schedule. I have two of those chicken sandwiches and then I'm I'm just laid out for the rest of the day. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, but I will be at the Miami Improv with a surprise guest on July 14th. You can go to DaveRubin.com slash events on that. Happy Friday, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.